Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, baseball's back time, basketball's almost back time. We're going to figure out the whole football thing time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon. Going to drop this out to you on a Thursday late afternoon, early evening perhaps. Hopefully late afternoon before dinner time. If we're lucky, maybe for some of y'all on the commute home, your way home on a Thursday. You know, if that were still a thing which it really isn't, I guess. Most people working from home these days. Not just me on this podcast, though. Speaking of people working from home, we've got from uh, the Blunt County Satellite Office of GoBoss 24-7, we got Grant Ramey down in Maryville and in Parts Unknown, somewhere in the 865 area code, we've got Patrick Brown. Fellas, I, I got to ask you, uh, how is your Thursday going? I just got done mowing, so I'm sitting here in my own stink recording a podcast, so... I like, I like it. I like it. I'm still buzzing about Liverpool lifting the Premier League trophy yesterday, Wes. Yeah, that was. Uh, you got to give them to credit. go all Titanic. I'm on top of the world. Well, I mean, but, uh, but hey, I, I can't get enough of the uh, can't get enough of the videos and the the photos and all that. Yeah, I mean, in 2016, the Cubs won the World Series. I did all of that, so I completely understand that way to make it about you Wes. uh rain i was i was i was transitioning it to Ramy next because crystal palace did not win the premier league trophy again this year um but they get to stay in the league so that's good that's good yeah that's good you, you get y'all excited y'all excited about the braves getting underway soon too no they'll just disappoint me too <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no disappointment when uh sports were gone there was no bullpen no lead uh, so it, it does feel like the, the baseball way, the start. It does feel like the baseball start is like snuck up on us because Thursday is the opening day, right? It's like, wait, what? Yeah, it's got a couple I, got a couple games tonight. You know, what is it? The uh, the Yankees and the Nationals, and then the uh, and then I think the the Dodgers and the Giants tonight. You, you act like you're not used to the traditional late July opening day <laughs> of the sixty day season that includes the <laughs> dual DH uh, in empty ballparks while. Juan Soto test positive a couple hours before a game. So what about uh? Did, I did see I did see stuff about Fox. They're gonna like like yeah, hologram hologram virtual fans. Like because Fox did the 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 hockey thing back in the day, right? With the puck that they lit up and then <laughs> the glow puck. Yeah, the, 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 they're they're <laughs> some such a success. Some innovative guys there, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, to see it. I'm only really seeing out of uh, one eye at the moment. I was making a joke the other day about how. Just getting my eye looked at, and turns out some stuff's wrong with the cornea. So yeah, I've got uh, 
no one gets to see it at home, thankfully, but I've got the, uh, if you remember the eye patch from several years ago, uh, it's back, uh, on the left eye. And, uh, yeah. So if, if we were TLC right now, I would definitely be left eye. That, that's how, that's how that would be. But it's not a big deal. Everything will be fine, and we can talk about Tennessee sports. Pat, I know tomorrow, I say tomorrow, it's going to be Friday because today's Thursday the when, when we're recording this. Tennessee is back. Uh, football is back into the next stage of, of sort of opening. You know, it's kind of like when cities are reopening and states are reopening uh, with coronavirus and COVID. They go through these stages. Uh College football, I suppose, is no different. There are stages in the development of getting back from this thing. And uh, knock on wood, everything should get better uh, or one step closer on Friday, right? Yeah, obviously the uh, the NCAA adopted or approved um, back in, this was early June when, when a lot of teams started returning to campus. Uh, they approved sort of a, a rejigged uh, schedule for the preseason leading up to uh, the start of the season. Obviously, everybody is waiting to see, uh, you know, the, the state of the season right now is sort of in limbo uh, in terms of the SEC. What are they going to do? What decisions are they going to make? Uh, I don't think anything will come by the end of the week. Um, Craig Sankey has targeted the end of the month, maybe the first of, uh, of October. But um, for Tennessee, they're, you know, it's, it's business as usual. They're preparing as if the season is going to start on time. And, um, you know, we heard a lot from Jeremy Pruitt uh, when, when the team was separated, that they were just going to, you know, hey, we're going to be ready when we need to be ready. Um, and that, that's sort of the uh, the mantra that they're using. So Friday is the first day of what I guess can be referred to as OTAs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the last couple of weeks, there's been uh, access. You know, players have been able to, to work, work with coaches for basically film review. Um, and, and they got a lot of film review time back in the spring when they were separated, a lot of Zoom calls, all that kind of stuff. Um, but Friday is the first of a, of a two-week period leading up to the scheduled start of practice. Again, these you know these things are all tentative because uh, if the SEC comes out at some point and says we're not starting until late September, then obviously things will get adjusted, um, I would think. But um, starting on Friday, teams can basically uh, have, have walkthroughs um, and, and, and work with the football, which is not something that they get to do a lot before the start of preseason practice. So um, the 20-hour rule is, is in effect. They get eight hours a week for conditioning and film review, um, and one hour per day for walkthrough, one hour per day for meetings, um, no more than six hours per week on, on each of those things. But uh, it's basically a chance for a lot of teams, and I think this is how Tennessee and a lot of other teams will use it, is basically as a sort of a replacement for the spring. It's a two-week period. Uh, it can be daily stuff. So uh, probably a lot of install, probably a lot of scheme, um, probably a lot of the things that, that uh, Tennessee and other teams lost from not getting – um, but two, or in some cases, no spring practices. It's a chance for them to sort of um, make up for that lost time. Um, and it starts tomorrow. And um, I imagine Tennessee will be shifting into that into that mode um, uh, starting this week. Grant, does it does that make it feel to you like football is getting a little bit closer, or like this thing actually can happen, or or is this are we still so many million miles away from this that people don't need to be too excited yet? What do you think? I think you can get excited because sports are happening on campus. I mean, basketball just started working on Monday, and now football is getting uh, getting to the point where they can use a football and, and do some kind of, a, like Pat mentioned, organized team activities. So, I mean, you got to start somewhere. You got to you got to start. You know, the testing process, getting kids back on campus, which obviously they did uh, a month ago, more than a month ago now, a month and a half ago. 
and now you move kind of on the field and, and see how you progress there. I think there's for sure reason to be excited. It's just like we were talking about with professional sports actually being back and how kind of weird that is after four months with nothing. Uh, if you've had four months of nothing, if there's something involving a football or a basketball happening on campus with athletes there, um, that's something to be excited about because it seems like a little bit of progress and a step in the right direction. And, and I guess one more thing that kind of makes it feel like you know, the season's getting closer is what we call a watch list season. Uh, it seems like every day now people are, you know, the various awards that go to college football players after the country, whether it's, you know, the all the defensive awards, offensive awards, special teams awards, things like the Groza. Those lists are coming out pretty much every day now, at least one. And uh, there have been a lot of Tennessee players on those. I, I know that, that there's one name that pops up a lot, and, and this is what I want to discuss here with the rest of the segment is – you know, we, we know guys like um, – we expect to see guys like, uh, you know, Samaglia on those lists. Um, you know, if they, they do some defensive back type lists, you know, Bryce Thompson, someone like that, that, that wouldn't be a, a surprise. One name that's been all over the place uh, is Henry Toho Toho, Tennessee sophomore linebacker from there in Sacramento, California. Guy that comes in as the number 44 overall prospect in the country, so you expect him to step in and play at least a little bit, especially for a team that, that really needed help there. And boom, he steps in there, plays 13 games, starts 12 of them. Basically, he's a first-teamer after the first couple of possessions of the opener. And he finishes, I believe, with something like 72 tackles, which was fourth nationally among all freshmen, second in the SEC among all freshmen. And now with Daniel Batuli gone, you look at Toto really as kind of the 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 the, the, the linchpin, maybe you would say, the fulcrum of Tennessee's defense, kind of the guy who everything is built around. He's the one who's going to tie everything together like Lebowski's rug. That That's his role now for Tennessee's defense. And is he really going to take this next step? Is he really this good? Because we saw – all kinds of reasons to think he might be, but you know he's the only sophomore in all of college football that's on you know the three major lists in terms of uh, the Bednarik, I suppose is one. Um, the what's the other? What are the other two, Pat? The the Bednarik is one. Butkus. Butkus is another one, and the Forget third. And Nagurski. And Nagurski. There you go, Bronco Nagurski. The three major trophies that you can kind of get as a linebacker, I suppose. Hashtag no Heisman. First, first of all, for shame for not remembering Dick Buckus when Grant has his uh, Bears hat on. In fairness, I have shame. one eye right now, so I'm I'm, I'm well, doing the best that I can. Also, do. have one too many excuses. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Let's get it together. One eye, one too many excuses. That's going to be another title. That's going to be a chapter in my memoirs for sure. Uh, but. This is he's the only sophomore in all of college football that's on all three of these lists. Now, each of these lists has a bunch of names on it. Some teams have a multiple guys on it. But the fact is, there is only one sophomore in all of college football on all three of those lists, and it's Henry Toto. I know Phil Steele put him on preseason first team all SEC, which is a big deal. Is he this good, guys? Is he going to be this good as a sophomore? Well, I think there's, as you mentioned, a lot of the ingredients, a lot of the uh, things are in place for him to do that. Um, now it's a matter of just going out and doing it. You know, I, I think we saw enough from Toa Toa uh, as a freshman. We saw him get better over the course of the season. Um, you know, he was already pretty good pretty much right off the start. I mean, uh, you, you hear people talking about his first couple of weeks on campus. And, um, you know, he, he had to adjust to, to living here and being so far away from his mm-hmm. family. Obviously, he comes from, uh, you know, a Polynesian background where, where family is such an important part of, uh, of their culture and his upbringing. Um, he's got a lot of brothers and sisters. I can't remember exactly how many he has. 
Um, yeah, it's, something it's like something seven. Seven, I think it's something like seven so, or eight. Yeah. You know, once he got over the sort of initial shock of being in a totally different part of the country and being away from his family for the first time in his life, I think he uh, really, you never heard anybody talk about him doing anything that you would hear a freshman would do. You know, he, he never really carried himself as a freshman. So uh, the fact that he's a sophomore is probably he's only a sophomore in name only. Um, so uh, I, I think he's fully uh, ready to sort of take over as, as the face and as the leader and as the voice of Tennessee's defense. Um, I think Daniel Batuli gives a lot of, you know, deserves a lot of credit. I think Toto would be one of the first to tell you that. Um, just because he yeah, calls him his big brother. Yeah. You know, he, he, you know, shadowed Batuli and, and, you know, soaked up what he could learn uh, about being a leader, about the game, about how to prepare, about how to practice. And, uh, and Batuli was a very good veteran, example for Toto to follow and he followed him very closely. So um, I, I think, I think Henry is, um, you know, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in these watch lists because as you mentioned, Wes, I mean, uh, in, a lot, in some cases, as long as you have a pulse, you're probably going to get on one of these things. Um, although it's weird that Bryce Thompson was not on the Thorpe Ward watch list. I thought that was a little peculiar. That was really um, surprising. So, you know, but a lot of times there's 80, 90 players pretty much, you know, 75%, 80% of the teams in college football have a player on these lists and, uh, you don't necessarily have to be on this list to win that award. So it's kind of a, you know, uh, it, it's always to me more of a, um, a, a sign that the season is around the corner than an indication of, of what to expect maybe. But uh, in Toto's case, I think he's, I think he's ready to be the guy. Um, you know, I remember uh, talking to him after a, a bowl practice in Jacksonville and, and he was asked, you know, is this your defense next season or starting after this game? And, and he kind of was, you know, he kind of took the diplomatic route, said that, you know, it's a group effort. We got a lot of guys that are good players. But then he, he obviously acknowledged the obvious that he's going to have to take a, a, on a much bigger leadership role with Batuli and Daryl Taylor and Nigel Warren, some of those guys moving on. And uh, I think he's ready for it. And, and now it's just a matter of him going out there and, and delivering. And um, I think he's got everything that you need to be uh, as good as, as some people think he can be. Henry kind of, this is going to be a weird comparison, but Henry kind of reminds me of Trey Smith. When, when Trey was a freshman, it was like, how the heck is this guy going to live up to the hype? Yeah. Because there was so much hype there. And then you talk to Trey and he's, I mean, from the first media availability he had on campus, he's extremely humble for all the recruiting hype that was around him, the five-star status and all the schools that want him. He's always just come across as a kid that's, really grounded, really got his head screwed on the right way uh, and says all the right things and does all the right things. And if it wasn't for, you know, the health issues, obviously so far out of his control, he, he would have lived up to every bit of the hype. I think he has lived up to all the hype he could have possibly lived up to from that time to now, uh, what he's done, uh, the different positions he's played. I think Henry can be a similar guy where, I mean, I, the thing that always stands out to me, I remember watching him against BYU what was that, his second college game yeah. out there calling the defense, running things, uh, communicating everything that needed to be communicated from his linebacker spot. And he, he lived up to the billing, and I think I don't, I don't think you can really hype him up too much because it seems like he's comfortable handling it. He's always had a huge spotlight on him. Uh, he, I mean, he came from a football powerhouse at De La Salle in California. Yeah, true. This is a huge stage. Uh, at the prep level, this is a huge stage at college football, and it seems like he's never shied away from it. He just – Goes out, goes out there and handles his business. So I think, yeah, I don't think you can heap too much praise on him or expect too much out of him because he's lived up to it so far. There's three things I think of 
when I think of Toto and and three kind of moments last year that that really stood out to me in terms of saying, okay, you know, this guy really might be pretty special. Uh, the first one was when um, I don't remember exactly at what point in the year it was. It was early in the season that, that Pruitt said it for the first time, Jeremy Pruitt did. And he said it more than once, but I remember the first time he said it, kind of went, did he just say that? He said that, that Henry Toto has pick, picks up his defense or has picked up his defense as quickly as any young linebacker he's ever coached, any young player he's ever coached, in terms of just how quickly he understands, like his FBI, his football intelligence, he just understands the game. And when you give him a concept, you normally don't have to give it twice because you tell him to do something and he just sort of, you know, intrinsically understands the game. And that, for that position, is huge. That's the first thing. The second thing was how much he improved from game one to game two. That really stood out to me because, you know, you go back to that old cliche, my gosh, Fulmer said it every year. It's true, though. A lot of times you make your biggest improvement from your first game to your second game. And if you go back and watch that Georgia State game, there are some times, you know, Georgia State deserves credit, came out and surprised Tennessee, did a lot of things Tennessee wasn't expecting. And that was Toto's first college game. There's no Batuli out there. He's just kind of in there roaming around. And he got flat out lost a couple of times. It was in coverage or they did some some pick stuff. He didn't pick up the right guy. He got in the wrong space. He got exposed to the point where he had to be put on the bench, the sideline for a couple of possessions, not because he was tired, because he needed to get some things straightened out. And then in the second game against BYU, just how much better he was in that game. And he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect, but he was so much better. And, and Batula still wasn't out there yet. He just got so much better from, from week one to week two. That was the second thing that really got my attention. And the third thing was in that game against Kentucky, he dislocates his kneecap in the first half, goes to the sideline, pops that sucker back, and goes back out in the field and finishes the game. Now, whether that is the safe thing to do or not, I'm going to leave that up to the medical people. Uh, you hear that and you go, oh, that doesn't sound good. But but on the other hand, that's old school inside linebacker, you know, or, or like you go back to the safety, like Ronnie Lott just cut the digit off, like just old school football player. And that really impressed me because then you go back and, and when we asked him about that, he talked about how he played a state championship game in California with a broken foot. And he basically stayed in the game until he knew they were up by so much that they were going to win, and then he took himself out of the game. This kid, you know, I don't like to use these kind of words, but he's a warrior, man. He just is. He goes out there, and he plays the game the way that these linebackers played it years ago. But he's athletically as good as the linebackers now. So those three things to me were kind of – I looked at Toa Toa and went, okay, this guy's pretty special. That that, yeah. that was that was those those were big moments. Not only the the you know the way he talked about that the Kentucky game was sort of like nonchalant, yes. like oh, it's happened before. Just pop it back in. I was fine. I mean, I don't know if he missed. I know he didn't miss a series, um, and it looked pretty bad at the time. But uh, even when he was like walking off the field, he was just kind of smiling, probably because he knew what he did and was like, oh, "I've been through this before." It was a great picture, um, right? The Sentinel had it, I think, with the picture where he's he's smiling, laughing on the field while they're yeah. looking at him. Uh, and and to to the point where, you know, you, you brought up Fulmer talking about improvement. Um, you know, it, it, before that, before I get to that, just to talk about his toughness some more. There was that. I mean, he played the whole season with a huge brace on his elbow. Who knows what was wrong with it? Um, just just the kind of example. If your if your best player is the one that's playing through three four different bumps and bruises throughout the season and carrying uh, himself like that, then that that sets an example for everybody else to follow. 
Because if you're if you're his teammate on defense, really, and and you know you're you're dealing with something of, of your own, you you got a shoulder that's hurt, your knees banged up, whatever, and you see that guy out there busting it every day, you're like, okay, I, I got to step up and I got to I got to respond to that. I got to I got to play well for him. Um, and, and so that's the example. And and getting back to to his improvement, I think a lot of times, and this wasn't just him. I think a lot of Tennessee's linebackers really struggled in coverage. Um, but I thought he was much better, noticeably much better in coverage against Indiana in the bowl game. Because yep. um, Indiana had a couple tight ends that were solid players that were big parts of their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and teams that had success throwing the ball to the tight end against Tennessee pretty much all season, starting with that Georgia State game when uh, they left Georgia State's tight end uncovered for a touchdown in the second half. Um, but, he, you know, every time they threw the ball to a tight end, Toto was right there. Um, and it's okay if you give up a catch uh in that situation because usually you're giving it up for five or six yards you just don't want those guys running free to me that showed um a better recognition of the game and i think it showed that that he probably went back and watched a lot of film over the course of december and said hey that's an area i need to get better at um and and you already saw the uh sort of the the you know reaping the reward of, of of that work yeah, it reminds me of talking to uh, one of Tennessee's incoming freshmen, Danico Slaughter, who, who plays a different position there. He he plays in the secondary. But he said that everybody was talking about his big hits and everything on film, but that his biggest improvement as a player came when he was watching film, and one day he just got almost physically sick from watching himself get beat a few times. And he said, this has been happening too many times in my career. I, I just I make big plays, but I give up big plays. i got to stop doing this. And he went out there, and, and that's what made him better as a player, watching film and saying, man, I don't look good there. And, you know, hey, it's a pride thing, right? I mean, it's, it's do, you, do you care enough about your, your situation? Do you, do you have enough pride to want to go out there and fix it? Because everybody can make a highlight play here and there, some more than others, but everybody is capable of it. Uh, but the guys who get really upset when they make mistakes are usually the guys, I think, who get it corrected. And Henry, I mean, you, you can go back to what you said about uh, Pruitt saying he's one of the, the fastest learners at linebacker. When you go to fall camp, you can tell who the freshmen are usually. Yep. You don't need a roster. You can tell when somebody's out there swimming a little bit, trying to keep up. Henry never really looked like that. He might have struggled in, in some games and got lost against Georgia State in, in that first experience, but he never he's never really looked the part of a true freshman. He never had that body language. Uh, you know, just the individual stuff that we got to watch this time a year ago. Uh, I guess last August, whenever that was, he never really looked that part of a freshman, which is, and, and he has, he's played, you know, well, well beyond his years uh, ever since then. And I think the exciting part there was that he still had some baby fat on him. So it's not like he, he's, right. it's not like he's going to be physically as good as he can be in the future. I mean, everybody's body type is different, but he just, you know, he didn't come in with one of those kind of Batuli looking, you know, Daryl Taylor looking like, you know, Mr. America type builds. He, he looked like a, a kid who was a really good player, had a lot of muscles, um, but also had some, had some baby fat still on him. And if he, you know, what, what you would think that once he gets there with, with JJ artists and those guys and, and gets working on it, you think he's probably going to get bigger, faster and stronger. Most guys do. And so his ceiling seems to be pretty darn high and you need a middle linebacker who can do a little bit of everything in this era, you know, cause you play so many sub packages. So he's got to be even better against the run. Uh, he's got to be able to sp- uh, split out and kind of get some guys in coverage. Uh, that's, there's just a lot you got to do at that position and it's a really tough place to play. And I think Tennessee's in, in pretty good shape there. Anything else guys? Can on we, the, uh, Oh, go ahead. Can we, can we add a breaking news segment to this podcast? Sure. The stripes are back on Tennessee's pants. They just tweeted it. Oh, so that's so, breaking news as of 404. After four months without sports, that's basically Watergate. 404 p.m. Eastern, 
uh, on Thursday. There's your breaking news. Oh, Lord, 2020, there are stripes back on Tennessee's football. <laughs> a group of warrior Scotsmen went out and put stripes back on their pants. The traditional stripes, too, not the... Not the 2000... Uh, not the fade to checkerboard. Uh, or what the, about the 2002 wide stripes? Oh, oh man. man. That thing was wider than the state. <laughs> that was... That <laughs> and was... it went all the way up the, up to the armpit. Uh, so weird. I mean, I, I credit them for doing something different, mixing it up occasionally, but... Phew. Don't go back to that really wide stripe on the pants. That was. We've turned to a uniform pod that quickly. That was bad, yeah. But uh, anything else on the watch list, guys, before we take a break here and come back and do the mailbag? Not Long watch list related. Short, Henry okay. Toa is a good football player. Not watch list related, but shout out to Grant for the Hey Fashion update because that's definitely his lane. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's Leaned true. into that about eight years ago, not leaning out of it. He's, a, he's, the, he's the project runway of our, of our staff, basically. And I'm ashamed to admit that and that's I'm the best looking too. So like, like my wife never makes me usually watch much bad TV, um, but she, that's the one. That's like the one compromise is that I'll watch that show with her, and then I don't like that I'm watching it, but then I like care who wins, and I know nothing about it. But I'm like, man, I don't like that guy. I hope he loses. That's that's basically my project runway story. And I'm really excited that I got to tell you all that. Uh, we're going to step away, guys. Uh, take a quick break. Pay some bills, products, services, ads, in-house things, all those other fun stuff, all those other fun things. And if I can use grammar correctly, we'll come back and we'll get to a mailbag with questions from GoVoss24, 7's checkerboard, and uh, the Twitter.com machine. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you heard just a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon. Going to drop it to you on a Thursday late afternoon, early evening. Also got... Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey with us here on the podcast, talking a little Tennessee football primarily for this one. If you want to go reverse it back a little bit, the episode before this was uh, Grant and it was me and we were talking a little bit of Tennessee basketball. There's all kinds of big, interesting news segments or news discussions, news topics with that program right now. Lots of, lots of good stuff, a lot more good than bad, uh, very little bad there. Uh, so if you, you you want some hype, go back and listen to that one as well. Uh, talked a little bit of uh, watch list season, Henry Toto, uniform stuff in the first segment. We're going to get to the mailbag here in just one second now for the second segment. But before we do that, I'm going to say this one more time. I'm going to say it on every podcast, and if you don't want to hear it, too bad. Uh, you need to – I'm going to ask you this. 
we would really like you to go in and rate and review this podcast. We ha- we do it for free. We're really happy to do it for free. There's no problem there. Really, really happy to do it. But uh, as we continue to spread this thing, we need more and more people to go out there and rate and review this podcast, whether you're uh, subscribing to it on iTunes or uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever you're getting it, wherever you're getting it. Uh, please go in, subscribe to it, rate, and review it. Nothing will help us spread this thing faster than that. So please, please, please go do that. Guys, anything else before we get to the mailbag? Granny, no, no. Did, did any breaking news uh, segments occur there as I took no, a sip no of water? No uniform changes during the ad that I'm aware of. I will alert you if there are further changes. Let's see if I can get my one good eye out and read some of these. Here's a good first question from our good friend Blake Digits, who is uh, I. Right now, I can't even read all the digits after his name, so I'm not going to try that. Good question, though. Talking about Tennessee's cornerback, uh, Warren Burrell, says, does Warren Burrell find his way into significant playing time this season? Good question. I don't know about significant playing time. Uh, uh, Tennessee is, I don't want to say loaded at cornerback, but they got some guys that I think are, are better options than him. Although we said that this time last season, and Burrell managed to, to beat a few of those guys out, um, and, it was, and it was a starter to open the season. Um, I think he's a better player than what he showed at the beginning of the season. Obviously, when you're a freshman and you're a cornerback, teams circle you starting, you know, days before the game and say, we're going to throw at this guy. Um, and and Burrell was on the receiving end of that. I think he uh, probably had his confidence hit a little bit, but he kept playing. Um, he actually got hurt for a couple games and you know, was sidelined, but kept playing special teams. I think he had a, a nice block on Marquez Callaway's punt return touchdown. Yes. Um, so I think he will play for this team. I don't know if how much he'll be a factor on defense. I think he um, probably isn't too far away, though. You know, they, they've got obviously Bryce Thompson, Alante Taylor, um, Kenneth George Jr. all kind of right there. Uh, I think Burrell can get in the mix and, and maybe compete and push those guys for for starting spots, maybe particularly Taylor and, and George. And and he could be uh, in the mix to um, get on the field when they go to, to five and six defensive backs um, in some of their sub packages, but. Keyshawn Lawrence is also there. It's going to give him uh, some more competition as well. But um, I don't know if Burrell is going to be a, a, a big-time player in terms of, of playing a lot for, for the secondary, but I think he's a guy that maybe is getting a little bit overlooked and, and might be a guy that uh, if he did make a move, uh, maybe it wouldn't surprise us because that's pretty much what he did last season. Yeah, I think it's kind of how you define significant. I mean, he's a good player. He'll find his way onto the field, but I think you have better options in front of him. And that's a compliment to your depth. I mean, you can never have too many cornerbacks. You can never have too many defensive backs, uh, guys that can do a lot of different stuff for you. But I think it's how you define significant. I think uh, other guys around him will play more than he does, but there's a chance that he can find his way on the field, like Patrick said. Yeah, I agree. I think there, there are – if some guys get hurt, I think he'll play more. And I I think he's a guy who there, – there's times in the past several years where Burrell's a guy who's who probably would have been a starter for Tennessee – uh, but the way that they've been able to recruit and develop at that position now, uh, they've got some options in front of him that, that to this point, are, are they just look like better options. Now, that doesn't mean that, that he can't go out there and pass those guys. It, uh, the, Jeremy Pruitt's all business about this. If Warren Burrell shows up in camp when camp starts and he is just – you know, he, he's sticking to everybody. He's making plays on the ball. He's, he's forcing turnovers and scrimmages. If he's doing all that stuff, he's going to play. There's no question about it. That That's how Jeremy Pruitt rolls. There is no set, you're the guy no matter what, 
uh, options at any position. So if he goes out there and does it, he'll he'll earn that spot and he'll play. But I, I think right now there's probably three, four guys maybe in front of him, and we don't know uh, unless there's been some update I've not seen or heard. I, I've no, I don't know that there's anything going on with Baylor Buchanan. But if he were able to get back into the picture, that would be another option uh, for Tennessee, a guy who started a lot of games uh, in Knoxville. So. You know, there, there's there's options there, and I think he's someone who's probably down the list. But you know, hey, that's you give them water, they grow, and maybe he can go out there and do some big things uh, this season. A uh, question from was that a, was that a bamboo reference? Yeah, water them, they grow bamboo, right? All right, like Derek water Dooley. bamboo. Derek Dooley, the new host of the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. I'll never have hair that great. It's not possible. It's the best hair in the world. Question from Tristan VFL. Uh, how do y'all think coaches are going to try and handle redshirting players this year when it's very likely that they will have to dive deep into the depth chart certain weeks if starters and backups get exposed to COVID-19 and have to quarantine? Outstanding question. Well, on, on one hand, I think it, you know, it might be easier to redshirt guys because you might only have 10 games, might even have eight. Uh, so uh, in that sense, you could, uh, there's there's fewer opportunities for them to play those guys. Um, and there's also, you could lose some of those non-conference games where a lot of those guys get playing time. You know, it's easy to give a guy uh, a series or two at the end of a game if you're beating Charlotte by four touchdowns. But if you're not playing Charlotte, you might not have as many of those kind of opportunities. But um, I, I do think it'll be interesting. This is going to be new territory for a lot of coaches. Um, and and in, in the case of Jeremy Pruitt, he's coming from a high school coaching background. Um, he'll, he'll play guys both ways if he has to, um, he'll, he'll use everybody on the roster if he has to, to, to get the job done. And, um, I think the bigger question is, is how are you going to prepare these guys every week? Cause, um, a lot of times in a normal season, you've got your scout team. Those guys aren't really part of the game plan. Um, they're usually working on and, and learning what the other team does uh, on offense to defense. So how do you go about handling that? Um, can you throw a guy in there if he hasn't really been in part of the game planning process all week, that kind of thing. So um, it's new territory for a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of coaches. Um, and, and if it was me, uh, if there's a guy you want to redshirt, you got four games to mess with. If you play him in the first four games and then sit him because you want to redshirt him, then that's something you could do. And, and maybe you'd be tempted to redshirt uh, guys. If you're only going to play an abbreviated season, maybe you don't want them to use a whole year of eligibility for, you know, what would be two thirds or less of a, of a normal season. So, uh, maybe they try to redshirt more guys if they can. Maybe they don't. Uh, I think there's a couple of different theories and ways to go about it, but um, the main goal is to win games. And so I think Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt and the staff will uh, do what they can to to do that. If they need to get 105 guys ready, then the, then they'll do that. If they have to get 65 guys ready and um, hope they don't have to use some of the other guys, then, then that's what they'll do too. But uh, there's a few different theories and ways, uh, at least to me, that, that staffs may go about that. I think it's one of the millions of unknowns with this season. I think also, I mean, if you're, if you have a nine game schedule, do you have four games to play with a red shirt? I mean, do they, do they modify that? Do they go to three games or that's a great question. Two yeah. games. If, I, I would if imagine the if the season shrinks, I would imagine if the season starts with 12 games, then even if some are canceled, it would be four games because that's what you go into the season preparing for. But and I, also, I don't know. What if, if the season shrinks at all, what's bowl eligibility look like? What do you go to? Are they even going to have bowl games? Yeah. Right, yeah, and that's another thing. How, um, in terms of redshirt, how committed are you to this redshirt player? In terms of you don't, you really don't want to burn it. 
Um, what are you playing for at that point in the season? I guess it depends on kind of where your what your record is and kind of where you're headed. Uh, what does bowl season look like? Is bowl season normal? If so, how many wins do you need to get there if you're not playing a full 12-game schedule? Um, I think it's you kind of just have to mark off one box at a time and figure out kind of what the answer to that question would be. Yeah, I think Jeremy Pruitt's priority list is pretty simple. Winning games is um, much more important than redshirting a player uh, almost all of the time. If he thinks a guy is going to help them win a game and it's a big game and they need it, I don't think he would intentionally try to do something to, you know, hey, we're taking away your career, you know, one year of your career, anything like that. But he wants to win a game. Uh, and, and so he's at Tennessee to win games. He's paid a lot of money, uh, and he will be paid even more money if they win games. And if they lose games, too many of them, he'll be fired. So, you know, the, there's there's incentive for him to go out there and play the best guys to go out there and win games. With that said, I think one thing I would do this season, you know, a lot of times – you'll play guys maybe four games and then you say okay we like him as a player let's go ahead and redshirt him right now and and we'll just wait until next year I would maybe stop at two or three games in that situation this year because you don't want to get to four and then it gets to the end of the season and a bunch of guys test positive and you got to burn a red shirt I, I you know I would I would probably feel more comfortable playing guys in two or three games and then trying to, to save them for the red shirt that way if you need to pull them out kind of for, for for one game later in the season you can do that that would be one way I would think about adjusting to the rule of course that's assuming the rule stays the same which we don't know Grant said it really well there are a million unknowns right now and that's one of them but yeah, I mean, I, I think you coaches try to plan for every single contingency possible. I mean, they are, by their very nature, very paranoid people, uh, and they should be. They prepare for everything that can happen, uh, everything they can do to the opponent, everything the opponent and circumstances can do to them as well. So they'll have plans for most of this stuff. I would imagine this year requires a lot more plans, a lot more flexibility. But on the flip side of that, guys, they've had a lot longer to come up with these contingency plans because they've had months that they normally wouldn't have had where they can have more time to meet via Zoom, you know, swap emails, texts, and come up with plans, right? Yeah, you better be prepared after how many months, how many weeks have we been sitting here trying to figure out every possible scenario. If idiots like us are trying to talk through all the options, surely the people that actually get paid really good money to do this stuff are handling it. I will point out that uh, our our Chris Hummer, who's one of our national college football writers, does a great job. Um, he actually t- talked to someone from the NCAA earlier this month, a couple weeks ago, uh, and the spokesman said that it's too early to address what rule modifications, if any, may be necessary for the season. So um, they have not determined if they're going to adjust that rule, which is obviously the uh, first question I would have in terms of how coaches will go about that redshirt rule if it changes. Yeah, if, if they said later in the season, hey, by the way, it's actually three games in your redshirting, ooh, that blowback would not be very pleasant with a lot of coaches. So, But, I mean, just I don't a heads think... up, it's, it's late July. It might be time to start figuring out those answers. That's true. And my, my thought is that they're meeting about this stuff every day. They have kind of contingency plans, like attack plans, and, and once they figure out – here in a few you know week or so however long it is until they really come out with some of those plans i think at that point they'll say okay here's the deal this is plan a this is plan b this is plan c i think they'll at least announce some have some more clarity on that soon because as grant said it's time it's time to do that uh recruiting question now a couple of them from run through the t uh if the vols strike out on smile uh munden the uh five-star inside linebacker from georgia where do they turn he said the same question uh, involving 
T-I-D, which uh, I believe is it's a Tyrion. What's his, what's his last name? Ingram Dawkins. Tyrion, yeah, there you go. The, the four-star defensive tackle, a really good player. Grant, what do you think uh, Tennessee is going to do if they – if those kind of high priority, big elite studs, if they don't get some of those, they're, th- uh, those two. It's a little trickier because um, you already have some linebackers in this class. Maybe you just turn there uh, and kind of go down your board to the next position or whatever. Uh, with, with TID, I think there's, uh, and just to kind of reset, uh, Tennessee uh, is, you know, they were kind of considered the favorite in May when he, uh, I think he set out a commitment date back in the spring and, and that kind of got pushed back and now he's put out a new top six and there's other schools involved and you know all that Tennessee fans have have been kind of following it trying to figure out what's going on there if they don't land him I think there's seven or eight uh, other guys that, that Ryan has mentioned uh, possibilities on the defensive line uh, Taiwan Malone Jalen Me- uh, Weaver Demarcus Smith uh, Ryan just had a story about him the other day maybe today uh, I believe he's out of Birmingham Alabama Luther McCoy uh, Marlon Dean's a guy that just decommitted from Georgia. Do they go after them and, and the, the Juco Jamon uh, Gordon? So there's there's a few options there. It's just a matter of you know where they go after TID, but the, uh, they, they'll have a few different choices because they're still in uh, the race for multiple DLs. But I think with Monday linebacker, I think you look at your class and uh, if you miss out on him, obviously there's been an all in push on him and Tennessee's you know right there with Georgia and Auburn. That's another one that's uh, been really hard to figure out, get a read on, uh, but Tennessee's done a really good job. Brian Niedermeyer doing doing the stuff that he usually does uh, to keep Tennessee in the hunt there. I think if you miss out on him, you kind of reassess your class, look at the linebackers you've got, and go from there. And then I guess we've got another recruiting question after this one, if I have read it correctly. No, And I should point out Peyton Page, the DL, he hasn't committed. I think his commitment day is coming up soon, Clemson's. Uh, been a leader there. It feels like for a while, it feels like they've been the team to beat. Tennessee's in it, but they're battling Clemson. Obviously, that's a that's a pretty steep hill to climb. That was actually one of the questions that I got on social media, so it's good that, that we went ahead and mentioned that one. Uh, let's see here. Another question. we got a few more of these. Uh, not too many more. Rattler Vol, uh, JD, on uh, on GoVols 24-7's checkerboard said, what's up with the hype surrounding Florida football heading into this year? Do the Gators really have that much returning proven talent? Well, I guess I should take this because um, in our 24-7 sports media day poll, I picked Florida to win the East. Um, maybe it's because I'm not go. a believer. There you go. Out on a limb. I like it. Well, I'm just uh, maybe it's more I'm not a believer in Georgia. Uh, I, I think this is not a great offseason to have a new quarterback, have a new offensive coordinator, have to replace four starters on your offensive line, lose your top running back. Um, I and really top two running backs because I don't know why everybody continues to perpetually underrate Brian Harrion. Um, but correct. Very uh, correct. I just Georgia's going to have an elite defense, so it's not like they're going to have to go out and score thirty-five points a game. Um, but I just I, I I'm not sold on Jamie Newman. I think is the other part of it. And of course now they have JT Daniels, and I'm not really sure I'm sold on him because he's coming off an ACL injury. I uh, just got to campus probably a few weeks ago, so uh, that's why I picked Florida. Plus they don't have to play Alabama. That's the other that's the other reason I picked. Uh, the Gators to win the East. Georgia's got to play Alabama early in the season. Um, and, of course, this was all before anybody was talking about going to conference only. So, um, Florida, I think, might have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think Kyle Trask is really good. Florida's always good on defense. Um, and it's just a matter of, for them. It's a matter of getting over the hump against Georgia. And um, that's the one thing that 
Dan Mullen hasn't done yet in his two years. So I think that this was going to be uh, the breakthrough year because, again, uh, I think Georgia's off, uh, problems on offense, I don't think that was a one-year thing, and I don't know that it's going to be a quick fix. Um, and it's really odd to say that because they obviously have a lot of talent on offense. They've recruited very well on that side of the ball. Probably one of the best receivers in the league in George Pickens. But um, I just – I'm just not sold on Georgia. So that's, that's why I picked Florida. Um, and, and I've, I think I've done enough in the past of thinking Florida, eh, they're not going to be that good. And then they got went 10, 11 games. So uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting caught up uh, and maybe doing some reverse psychology there with uh, where I, how I view the Gators during the preseason. Maybe people just love the awkwardness of Dan Mullen on the sideline. Yeah. I wasn't the only one that picked them to win. Though. I, I think in the whole poll, everybody picked Florida. I think Florida, was the winner was the uh if there's anything i've known about you for for a while now it's how big of a florida homer you are yeah it's true love those gators that's the book book on patrick brown you know here here's the thing if you ever expect dan mullen to win the offseason you don't know dan mullen he i just he does not win off seasons Uh, he he never quite recruits as well on paper as you think he should he comes out and and you know you have players getting in trouble he says awkward things he puts awkward pictures on twitter you know he's just he's an awkward dude he just is but once the season starts that dude is a hell of a football coach he just wins games that's what he does if you could have someone like administer your program be the face of it like constantly you know if like like a just kind of a an empty shell of a CEO, a guy who was just like the public face of a, of the thing. And then you just let Dan Mullen just coach football, man, he'd, he'd win national titles. I think, I think he's a heck of a football coach. He just, he, he doesn't win the off season. You know, he has weird recruiting classes. He, he's just, there's, it's hard to explain some of the things he does, but then once they get out there and they play his teams win, man. I mean, <laughs> the guy's a great football coach, not a good coach, a great coach. So, I don't know. I, it would not surprise me at all if Florida won the East this year because that guy just – he wins, man. And, and you know, Georgia's got to get over the hump, and we'll, we'll see. I can hear the booing from the listeners right now. They're hating this segment. Why? This segment's quickly gone from a conversation to a confrontation. Well, it's like if, uh, if uh, you look at – I mean, if you're picking Florida or Georgia to win the East, you're going to upset them, right? I mean – That's true. I, I don't, There's I don't, no good choice. I'm not sure. And then good question here. We'll get to a couple of fun ones before we step out of here. Actually, no, one more Tennessee question. Uh, it comes from Twitter, comes from our good friend Brokeback Vol, wear a mask hashtag on Twitter. Says, uh, can could UT basketball play outdoors uh, at Neyland or another venue if needed? I don't Put believe Put on the blacktop, so. fellas. I, I don't believe that's possible, but I don't know. It's 2020. Only, only if it's one of those like fenced-in courts, right? Yes. Like you see in big cities? Like Let's Rucker, do that. Like Rucker Park. Yes. I mean, they, they played college basketball on, uh, what am I? It was the aircraft carrier, right? Yeah. Yes, the aircraft carrier. I was trying to think <laughs> what, where that was. I just remembered it was out on the water somewhere. So, And it, that was a disaster, I believe, one year because there's a bunch of moisture uh, on the floor. There, I mean, I don't – I think if you had 100 possibilities for w- what you could do to make college basketball season happen, that might be – uh, option number 100 just because of how difficult it would be to make it happen oh my gosh i just came up with an idea that could save the NCAA tournament hold on hold on i'll be quick about this put everybody on an aircraft carrier float them out to sea yes and you talk about like 
you know, the NBA's got a pretty nice bubble. Put, like, 32 teams, if you can, probably maybe couldn't do 68, but 32, 40 teams out there on an aircraft carrier, uh, they're going to, or, uh, like, a big, huge cruise ship, uh, you put all the food they need out there for a few weeks, uh, you dock that thing out there in the sea, and they can uh, they can play when the weather's nice, and then the tournament's over, right? If you can't get on that cruise ship, if you weren't on there to begin with, guess what? Whoa, whoa, no one's going to have COVID. There's a difference. Uh, whichever one has more room to store more guys, I would imagine, right? Probably. Like, whichever, whichever one can store more people. To quote Randy Jackson from American Idol, it's the no from me, dog. Why? Why are you? Why are you gonna hate on that with your Randy Jackson samurai sword? You're not gonna not get his autograph. You know, I mean, you're not gonna not do it, right? Wes, if you've got one thing, you've got vision. <laughs> That's true. I have vision right now coming out of my ears, uh, which it has to do because it's not coming out of my eyes. Uh, a couple more quick questions before we get out of here. Uh, a couple of fun ones. I guess I'll start with. Uh, Actually, Wes, stop. Hammer news. Played on, played on a pirate ship. Oh my Sorry. goodness. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, you've got me on another tangent. Sorry. Arr. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Jeremy Pruitt would be all for that for football. He uh, he and his wife, uh, they got one of their son's names off of watching uh, the Black Sail show on Stars that they both really liked. That's where one of the young, that's one of their tots got his name from that. Uh, let's see here. Questions. Shooting star, knowledge is power. There you go. The more you know with the jingle. The more you know, yes. Here's a question uh, from Professor X32 on GoBall 24/7 checkerboard. Which Tennessee players or coaches would you pick in a fight against Wayne Tyson and JB from Letterkenny, and why? Great question because Letterkenny is the funniest show on television uh, in the world. And if anyone disagrees with me, I'll fight you like Wayne would. You're Unbelievable have to break show. Down these characters for those who have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, if basically listen, I don't want to I don't want to promote anything that's not CBS All Access, but I'll I'll say this, find a way to watch Letterkenny. And it's a Canadian comedy. It's sort of difficult to explain. It's they're in this small town in Ontario and they got a, some cliques of dudes like the they've got the rednecks, they're basically the hicks, the skids, they got the the natives. Uh they got all kinds of just really hockey players. The hockey players are a huge part of it. You know, there's just there's a there's like cliques of people in this small Canadian town. And it's just basically a show about their life and how sort of mundane but hilarious it can be. And you just really got to watch it. Bottom line is those dudes, those three dudes that got mentioned, will, you know, they'll, they'll paint your back porch red. Those guys, those guys can whoop you. So if you're Tennessee, which guys, which players or coaches on this team would you pick to fight those guys? Well, Trey Smith is the obvious choice because he's yeah. uh, very large. And very strong. Um, and, has a, and, most, and has a mean streak. Uh, yes. Um, I would put him on there. Uh, I think you got to go with big guys because uh, if it was pound for pound, if they were, if we were picking guys and, and those guys and, and those characters weight class, I'm picking, I'm taking the characters, right? Yeah, probably. So, so, so we got to pick, we got to pick big guys. Um, who, who'd your, who would your, who the other ones be? Let's see. I mean, when I read this question, I went to the old Google.com images and typed in Roman Harrison, uh, and I've been enjoying that picture because yeah, he's a freak. He is a freak. I'll tell you one name, one one sort of surprising name, but I I, I could stand on a table for him is Karat Garland. Uh, he's a guy who you know is up there in the what the two seventy two eighty range, something like that. And his dad's is like an MMA fighter trainer guy. So I'm guessing he has some fight skills and he's a big, strong dude. I think Garland would probably make my squad. 
Can we bring Juwan Jennings back? Does he have any eligibility? Yeah, can he can he go in there? Yeah, the uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and please, 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 no Emma Gooden comments. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's I got one more guy. Who guy? What guy? Reginald Perry, the freshman. That dude. long arms. Yeah. Attitude. Yes. Um, and he's what 300, 305 pounds. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, I think, three, I, think, five. I think they said back when he signed, he had like 35 inch arms or something crazy yeah, like that. Is weight what you want in a fight? I'm going for reach with, I'm yeah. going with reach for the, for the Perry pick. But you reach Arm is, length. reach is good, but like also the low man need, wins sometimes. Quickness. So, I mean, I have to see him. I to see, he, he was the, the Alabama player of the year in basketball. So he's a good, he's a good basketball player too. Uh, plus he had that attitude. I remember when I asked him, you know, Tennessee's got like a billion senior defensive linemen. What are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to go in there and beat them. <laughs> you know, I love that attitude. I love that attitude. Yeah, that's, 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 there, that would get it. There's got to be some guys on the team that have wrestled before, right? That uh, were state, state wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Kennedy. High school I, I think Brandon Kennedy was a good wrestler, if I remember correctly. I yeah, but was he a, a state champion wrestler like Jay Sean Robertson was back in the day? I don't know that, actually. I'm looking down the roster of some guys who would be surprisingly scrappy. Um, I'll tell you this much in terms of physical toughness. Forgets about Elijah Simmons. Listen, I was saving the best for last. He, I mean, he, listen, he, he, you can't hurt. What if he hurts his windpipe and can't sing anymore? You know, I mean, you got to think about these it's things. A valid Grant. question. You know, have have some have some dignity here. Uh, I would say probably. Uh, does Morvin Joseph get a get a say in this? He might. Uh, he know, looks. He looks like a guy I wouldn't mess with. What about uh, when Brent Samagli went after DJ Wanham a couple years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. When Tennessee's kicker as a freshman goes after this, you know, future NFL defensive lineman. That was a pretty good one. I think Riley Locklear wrestled some. Uh, he, he'd be a guy you could have in the mix. Uh, that would be one. Um, I tell you, I like Cooper Mays, the freshman. I think he's got a really nasty streak to him. There's some dudes on this team. Matthew Butler is a big, strong dude who doesn't give a flip. He's a guy. Emerson. There's some dudes on there you could you could take. I would we definitely could. take Trey Smith and Karat Garland though for sure. Those are the two Matthew, I would definitely take. Matthew Butler would perform intellectual jujitsu. <laughs> yes, because when you talk to him, he's 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 dropping a lot of big words that really go way over my head. And he also looks like he's a 33 year old like heavyweight boxer. Basically, also he, he's enormous. That's a fun one. I think we got. Have. I think we got maybe one more before we get down. We named about half the team, so I think we answered that question. I gave two guys, all right? Those are the two guys. Uh, run through the T, got two more. Here's last the penultimate question. Uh, run through the T said, did we ever decide who had the best craft beer in Tennessee? I could not be the – you cannot ask a worse person to answer this question than me. So the floor is whoever wants the floor. Uh, well, I can, I can, uh, I can tell you this. I'll, my wife would say Wiseacre Tiny Bomb is what my wife would say. Uh, Wiseacre does some good stuff. I would not say they're the best one in Memphis, though. Who would that be? Uh, that might be some Ghost River down there. Mm, heard, I've never had it, but I've heard good things about it. Only had it a couple times. So it was it was delicious. Uh, got to throw got to throw Yeehaw in there. Yeah. Shout out to Tri Cities. Well, uh, to be specific. Which is the best of the Tri Cities, obviously. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I said what we're I said. To, we're back from the conversation to the confrontation. Yeah, this, I said what I said. This got this got rough, fellas. I, I mean, I couldn't name anything. There's a lot. There's. Yeah. I, I, I would go. I don't know. I, I think tiny. I mean, tiny bomb is pretty solid beer. I'm not normally like big, huge into like the hoppy, hoppy, hoppy stuff. But there's um there's some really good beers in this state. There's some 
Um, I think some pretty good ones here. I think uh, the the um, the the German uh, bar here does a. Why am I forgetting the name? It's my favorite bar in town. That's how long it's been since we've been out and about, right? How I can't think of the name either. Uh, Elkmont has some good stuff in he, uh, in town. Yeah, I went to high school um, with the owner too, so he's a good dude. So you can give the him uh, your business. I, I, Smoky Mountain Brewery um, and Calhoun's. That chain has a couple ones that I really like. Um, ah, Schultz Brow. There we go. Yes, that's the one. I couldn't think of the name either. Yeah, Schultz Brow's got a good got a good dunkle too, and a, a pretty mean Oktoberfest when it comes out that time of year. So I'm a big Oktoberfest guy. Grant's more of a but, wine drinker. Wes, couldn't you? Uh, you could power rank some rums, right? Uh, yeah, I could actually. Last you know summer, last summer got to go to the uh, oldest rum distillery in the world down there. Yo in, ho ho, and a bottle of rum in Barbados. We we, we went to the we went to the Mount Gay brewer, uh, brewery. Not brewery, I don't think he's picked up on it yet. No, he is not. I know you're making jokes about the pirate thing because I have an eye patch on right now. Okay, I know that. <laughs> what what brand does your parrot prefer? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I I'll have to go down there and ask him. Uh, I Look do. Captain. We do. We Look do. Captain. Uh, actually, the, the Ghost will fit, uh, sit on your shoulder. That's a great segue, Grant, because the final question actually was <laughs> about uh, how Sir Angus is doing. The uh, parrot-sized dog that we have here at at, uh, at Fort Rucker. He's doing great. He's doing great. He's uh he, he right now he he's in his kennel because he was being a little bit loud during the thunderstorms that came through. So he he was going to ruin the podcast if he didn't get put to bed. But uh, he's doing great. He's doing great. Wife tried to give him a bow tie the other day, uh, like a bandana thing, and he chewed it off. So, other than that, everything's good. Grant, why are you being like this, man? I don't know. It's my natural state. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I guess there is some, uh, there was one Tennessee basketball note, I believe, that we were going to mention before we stepped out of here, but we had a bunch of stuff on that podcast yesterday, so uh, you can go back and check that stuff out. Uh, still nothing new on Eve Ponds. Uh, there is one baseball, uh, one quick baseball note. That's the one thing. I wanted to mention before we stepped out. Um, and uh, good news. If you are a, a big fan of the last name Rucker, there is another Rucker coming to Tennessee oh, athletics, Carson Rucker, geez. baseball prospect, the younger brother, I believe of a uh, Jake Rucker, who's Tennessee's uh, second baseman or shortstop, I guess right now. Uh, he's a 2023 prospect uh, committing to the, uh, the Tony Vitello train there at Tennessee. So uh, there's going to be Deshaun Rucker, Jake Rucker, Carson Rucker. We're taking over fellas. I heard he's got a real good hook. <laughs> I think I'll let it end on that one, unless y'all got anything else. Nope. Roll the credits. Got <laughs> Guys, thanks for tuning in as always. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, and if you want just the Tennessee stuff, no talk about my uh, uh, eye patch life that I've got right now, you can go to twitter.com slash govals247 and get that there. Or you can go to facebook.com slash govals247. Uh, the, the Twitter site twitter.com slash govals247 that's Tennessee all the time nothing but Tennessee uh, facebook.com slash govals247 is mostly Tennessee uh, but some other interesting stuff on there and Grant does a great job of running that page or if you want your Tennessee news right from the right from the source that cool clear delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water go to govals247.com you can get half off 
of a, uh, I believe that deal's still in play. You get half off of an annual subscription. That's a good deal. So go check that out. And if you pay us the full rate, you get free access to CBS All Access, which is CBS streaming platform, tons of movies, uh, tons of shows, every show that's in the CBS catalog, all kinds of stuff in there. You'll have some Champions League next year. You'll have uh, some other live sports, SEC football, NCAA football, March Madness, all that. You get all of that. Unless it's live TV, you get it all commercial-free, too, the Rolls-Royce package for CBS All Access. So go sign up for us, give us some money, and then we'll we'll give you about a $100 annual value for free for $0. So go do that, and uh, if nothing else, guys, please go rate and review this podcast. Nothing will help us more than that. Subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, and we will see y'all. If there's no breaking news, I suppose we'll see you probably Monday afternoon. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.